Welcome to Jury Duty. I'm your host, Carrie Antholis. This season of Jury Duty explores the trial of Michael Barrison, who was charged with the attempted murders of Lauren Kanarek and Robert Goodwin in Long Valley, New Jersey. Kanarek was struck in the chest by two bullets from Barrison's weapon, and as it was undisputed that Barrison fired those shots, his legal team argued that he was not guilty because he was legally insane at the time of the shooting and in the alternative because he fired those shots in self-defense. In our last episode, we resumed our coverage of the Barrison trial with the testimony of Dr. Ruth Cox, an equestrian investor who boarded horses she co-owned on Michael Barrison's property. On today's installment, we continue our examination of Prosecutor Christopher Shellhorn's questioning of Dr. Cox, including his inquiry into details about the weapon Dr. Cox provided to the defendant. That's all coming up right after the break. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. As we concluded our last episode, Dr. Ruth Cox testified about the considerable expenses required to train horses with elite ambitions. Prosecutor Shellhorn next pivots back to asking Dr. Cox about the weapon that she acknowledged providing to the defendant. Judge Stephen Taylor presides. Now, I want to direct your attention and ask you some questions uh, about the gun. You mentioned earlier about owning a gun. And can you remind the jury what kind of a gun that was? Uh, it was a 9mm Ruger, very small handgun. Do you remember when you bought that gun, approximately? Sometime in the beginning of 2016. And do you recall where you purchased it, what state? No, sir, I do not. Where were you living at the time? I was living in North Carolina. And can you describe for the jury what were some of the steps that you had to take in order to be able to purchase the gun? Yes, sir. The gun that I was looking for was very difficult to find because it was a small gun. So I went on the Internet and called and contacted various uh, dealers, pawn shops. And it ended up that this gun came from, I can tell you, somewhere in the Midwest. It was sent from there to a pawn shop in Newborn. Now, did you just find the gun, order it online, and then walk into the pawn shop in Newborn, Newborn and pick it up? Uh, I did go in. I did go in and pick it up, but I had to sign for it. Did you have to do any other paperwork or go through any sort of checks or anything like that, an application process, in order to buy the gun? Yeah, yes, sir, I did. In North Carolina, you can have a concealed carry permit, and for in North Carolina, for that you have to go to a class uh, for that. Then you have to go through the sheriff's department to apply for the concealed carry permit. I had to be fingerprinted. Uh, I had to fill out various forms. Right now, I don't remember how many, but it just wasn't one or two. And then you had to have background checks done, both in the criminal system and in the mental health system. And after all that comes back, is that when you get some sort of a, a permit and you're allowed to go pick up the gun? Yes, sir. Now, you indicated that you wanted to purchase this particular gun. What was the reason you wanted to buy this specific gun? I have a very small hand. 
very small fingers, so I needed a gun that had a very small grip. What was the reason that you bought the gun? I was going to do par uh, target shooting. I have some friends that have guns, and so uh, we were interested in doing that together. Did you ever uh, travel with the gun? At times I did, yes. And uh, specifically, did you ever travel with the gun when you would come up from New Bern to the Long Valley Farm? I did at times uh, due to safety issues because I would leave Newburn uh, after work in the afternoon and there is no straight way to drive from Newburn to Long Valley. So you have to, in three or four o'clock in the morning, I'm driving through the countryside in the dark. And uh, so at times when that would be happening, yes, I would have that with me. What's the approximate amount of time it would take you to drive from New Bern to Long Valley? Uh, between 11 and 12 hours. Did you ever take the gun with you when you would go down to the farm in Loxahatchee? No, sir, I did not. Can you tell the jury when you would travel with the gun, how would you transport it? So the gun itself was transported with a, in the clip with a plastic clip in the magazine that came with the gun. So the gun was not loaded. The gun was in a pouch by itself. I had a truck at that time, and so uh, we were taught in our, in our uh, course that the best place to put the gun is in the trunk of your car. And since I do not have a trunk uh, in the car, it was in the back seat on the passenger side against the door in the back seat, which would be the farthest away, you know, for me to, if I, if I wanted to try and get it, I could not reach it. Now, you indicated that you would keep that orange plastic magazine inside the gun. Yes, sir. Did the gun come with any other magazines to put bullets into? Yes, sir. It came with one. Did, how many did you typically have with the gun? Two. Did the gun have any sort of a case or anything else? You mean when it when I bought it? When you bought it. No, it did not come in a case. Did you buy a case for it? Yes, sir, I did. What kind of case did you buy? It was a material plastic case that had a zipper, and the inside was had like velvet material, you know, crushed material for the gun, and a pocket for the gun. On the outside, there was a zipper for the magazines. Prosecutor Shellhorn then reintroduces Cox's gun as evidence and shows it to the witness. Dr. Cox, if we could start with the uh, white box there that should have a red sticker on it that says S-177. Yes, sir. Can you open that up, please? And from looking at that, what is it? It's a Ruger pistol. And is that the same uh, Ruger pistol that you uh, purchased back sometime in 2016? If it's the same serial number, yes, sir, it is. Yes, sir, it is my gun. <clears throat> Mr. Shellhorn, did you catch the witness's answer? She did acknowledge that that was, in fact, her gun. Thank you, Judge. All right, very good. Move on. Next question. Dr. Cox, if you could just hold that gun up and show it to the jury, and if it helps you to stand up, you could do that, too. You want me to walk around? They've already seen it. They've already seen it. Yeah, just yeah. hold it up They're for nodding. that. I think that I'm sure they appreciate your offer. Now, Dr. Cox, when, and you can put it down. Thank you. When you uh, had that gun on August, uh, in the beginning of August of 2019, and the defendant took it from you, did it have all those various safety mechanisms on it? No, sir, it did not. Dr. Cox, I'm going to ask you uh, S191, if you could open that and take out what's in that bag. What is that? It is uh, a gun case. And that's the gun case you indicated earlier. It didn't come with the gun, but you bought it on your own. I bought it on my own. Now, would it be typical for you to travel from North Carolina to New Jersey if you had the gun with you to have it in that case? Yes, sir. Would you have that case inside anything else when you would travel? Uh, I, have a, I have a backpack that, have uh, that, I, that I would have it in that contains 
for instance, uh, the gun cleaving equipment and then earphones uh, that, that are to be used when you do target shooting. Uh, was there anything else in there? Did you ever carry ammunition? Yes, there'd be ammunition in there as well. Yes. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Prosecutor Shellhorn next asks Dr. Cox about her use of the weapon in evidence. Now, have you, having, having owned that gun uh, for a number of years, have you actually shot that gun? Yes, sir, I have. Can you describe for the jury when you would get to, for example, a shooting range, what would be the steps that you would take to prepare that gun to shoot? So uh, there would be a table out at the range, and so uh, we have... object for relevance? What's the relevance, Mr. Shellhorn? Judge, state of mind is an issue this case, and certainly this is the gun that the state is alleging was used in the shooting. I think the process that would go into shooting the gun by someone who has actual knowledge of shooting the gun is relevant. I'll allow it. Overruled. I should answer? Yes, go ahead. You can answer, ma'am. Okay, thank, thank you. Dr. Cox, don't ask me, ask the judge. Okay. Yes. Sorry, sir. Yes, no, it's all right. No I'm worries. Sorry. Yes, you I can answer. I won't do that again. <laughs> it's okay. okay. Go ahead. You can answer I the can question. Answer now. Yes, you can. So there would be a table there, and there were uh, multiple people uh, there shooting, and there would be a range officer. And the officer would give us certain commands about what to do with the gun, reminding us always to put the gun going downrange. And they would tell us when we could put the clip in and when the range was hot and when the range was cold. Backing up just a little bit then, when you would get there uh, to the range and you were going to shoot the gun, when you arrived there, would it have that orange plastic magazine still in the gun? Or yes, sir. Have... Yes, sir, it would. And so you would have to remove that? Yes, sir. What's the process that goes into removing that orange plastic clip from the gun? Well, on the side of the gun, there's a little button that lets the clip come out. So you'd have to push that button to get the clip to come out. Judge, if I could just uh, approach and... Sure, go ahead. I'm sure you can't hold this up at the same time, but I'm going to ask if you can point out do you see where that would be? It's over It's over on the other side. It's on the other side. Mm -hmm. And can you point out to the jury the general area on the other side where that would be? So it'd be on this side, on the other side, so you could take your thumb and you could push that and then it would drop the clip out. And do you have S202 in front of you there? I think it's this right here. Yes, okay. Can you just open that up? Does that your, look like your orange clip? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So where would that go or where would that fall out of? So that would fall out here. And the purpose of that is what? Safety. So you would have to take that out of the gun before you could load bullets? Oh, absolutely, yes, sir. When you would typically get to the range, Dr. Cox, would you have bullets loaded into the magazine, or would you have to do that when you got to the range to shoot? I usually carried one or two magazines in this case, where in the zipper thing. So uh, I may have one magazine that was loaded, and the other magazine I would have to load. And I'll just ask you if you could uh, look at S-177, which is one of those folders in front of you or envelopes in front of you. Does that appear to be one of the magazines for your gun? Yes, sir. And uh, are there bullets in that right now? Yes, sir, there are. 
do you recall if there were bullets in that magazine when you gave it to Michael Barrison? There would have been one of the magazines, there were two magazines, one of them would, would surely have had uh, the bullets in it, the other one may not have had. Now you indicated it may be, you would typically have ammunition, not in that case that's in front of you, that's S191, but in your backpack in your car? Yes, sir. Do you recall what kind of ammunition you would typically buy? It would be nine millimeter. And would you buy a, a particular brand or something else? No, sir. I w because all I was doing was target shooting, I bought the cheapest bullets that were out there. In North Carolina, you can buy bullets at various different places. So if I came across some, I would buy them. Judge, if I can approach again? Sure. Dr. Cox, do you recognize S190? I know what it is. Yes, sir. It's a, it's a box of bullets. Do you know if that box of bullets was, was yours or not? No, sir, I do not know. Did you give any bullets or ammunition to Michael Barrison in a box or that sort of thing? Absolutely, sir, I did not. Shellhorn then pivots to asking Dr. Cox about her knowledge of the relationship between the defendant and the alleged victims. Doctor, I'm gonna ask you some questions about August of 2019. I think you indicated that you knew of Lauren Kanarek and Rob Goodwin through your association with Michael Barrison? Yes, sir. Did you have any personal knowledge of whatever agreements or arrangements they had with Michael Barrison? Yes, sir. What was your personal knowledge? The small bit of knowledge that I had was that uh, Michael had an arrangement with Lauren and her family that- um, Actually, Judge, stop the hearsay. Where did you acquire your knowledge from, Dr. Cox? Where did I Yeah, hear? did you hear it from someone? From Michael Barrison. It's not hearsay. It comes and from the defendant. Well, it's hearsay, but there's a exception to the hearsay rule. 803B would let it in, be one in particular. Go ahead. I'm sorry to cut you off. Go ahead. Ask the question again, Mr. Shellhorn. <clears throat> Dr. Cox, did you have conversations with Michael Barrison about the nature of the business relationship he had with Lauren Canerac or Robert Goodwin or their family? Yes, sir. What was your understanding from the defendant of that relationship? Lauren had several horses there that she was working with, uh, with Michael Barrison. And my understanding was that they exchanged part of that board cost for Rob to do some work at Michael's property. And did you observe around the property what some of that work was? Yes, sir, I did. And in general terms, what, what did that consist of? It is consisted of, in the stable, some uh, new wiring, new lights, and uh, putting in a ceiling in that stable. And in the home down near the street, working on the cellar that was there to produce some new bedrooms and some new uh, plumbing there. Do you remember when you came back to New Jersey in August of 2019? What day? It would either have been a Thursday or a Friday. If I uh, told you it was approximately August 2nd, what does that sound? Is I think it was Friday. Okay. Is it a little bit leading, Mr. Shelley? I'm just Shelley. trying to refresh your memory, Judge. Okay. I, well, do you have something can other than your own memory you can refresh your memory with? Could I ask the court to take judicial notice of... Uh, What's the date? I'm just double-checking so I make the record clear, Your Honor. That that August, August 2nd was a Friday, Judge, according to the calendar on my computer. Yes, I will take, uh, I have a um, computer as well. I see a calendar and it is um, August 2nd was a Friday. Does that sound generally consistent with yes. your recollection, Doctor? Yes, sir, that would be. When you arrived back to the property on that date, what was your observation about the state of people and 
things going on at the property? It was a very tense uh, situation. People were worried, unsure about what was going to be happening. People were hesitant about kind of going, some goings and comings, but generally everybody was upset. When you got back to the property, did you know all of the specific details of what had been going on, or was that just basically your general impression when you got here? I didn't know all the details, but I, I understood that there was conflict between Michael Bearson and Lauren Canterbury. Now, over the next several days from the time you got there, would you say that things got better, got worse, or stayed the same? Oh, no, sir. They got much, much worse. Day after day after day. Were you ever present at uh, the property when Michael Barrison's lawyer came? Yes, sir. And do you recall if you were a party to or a part of any conversation or meeting he would have had with the lawyer? Yes, sir. And without getting into the specifics of uh, what anyone said during that meeting, what was your general impression of the, the purpose for the meeting? Judgment, Judge, it has to be based on hearsay. Yeah, it, it is based on hearsay. Where, where did the meeting take place, Ms. Cox? Uh, it took place in the club room at the right. tables. Were you present? Yes, sir, I was present. Right. Who else was present? Uh, Michael was there. I believe Mary Haskins was there. The lawyer was there. And it could have been that Mary Haskins' father was there because he had come up to the stables. What? Um, approximately how long was the conversation? Uh, the conversation was probably half an hour, 45 minutes. All right. Thank you. During the... Uh, Mr. Shellhorn, I think, I, I think I'm going to sustain the, I'm any, any further questioning about it would, would elicit hearsay statements of others. So it's a uh, classic hearsay and therefore not admissible. Judge, can I get a, a date for that uh, meeting conversation? Do you recall the date, Dr. Cox? Oh, absolutely not, sir. Go ahead, Mr. Shellhorn. Uh, doctor, I want to ask you some specific questions about that conversation that you had with uh, with Michael Barrison about the gun. Do you recall where on the property that conversation happened? I do. Where was that? It was in the uh, long aisle of all of those stables up near uh, the wash stalls outside of Don Devone's stable. What is S319 a picture of? This is a picture of the long aisle on the right-hand side of the stables, where the uh, majority of the stables were. And what's at the far end of the aisle there? So at the far end, there are two wash stalls on the right, and where you see that kind of black hole, it goes out into a docking bay. At that end of the aisle, if you were to take a left into that hallway, where does that go? So when you got to the end of this aisle, if you went left, yes, you went into the indoor arena. And the clubhouse was right in front of that? And the clubhouse was in front of that. Where was the, the stall where Don Devone, uh, your horse, was, uh, was boarded? So if you're walking down this hallway, his would have been the last stall before you get to the wash stalls. Now, is that the area that you were in when you had that conversation with the defendant? Yes, sir. Did he come and approach you, or, or did you go and approach him? He came and approached me. And do you remember approximately what day that was? It would have been on either, like, Friday or Saturday. It was late in the evening when that happened. Do you recall generally what the defendant asked you or said to you? Yes. The conversation started out just generally about what was going on, and then he asked me if I had brought my gun with me on this trip, and I said I had. He wanted to see it. 
Had he ever asked you to see your gun before? He had not asked me to see it. We had talked about it, but he had not asked to actually see it before. Uh, what did you do after he asked you that? Uh, he wanted to see it, so uh, I got the gun from my car in, in the case that you saw here, and we looked at it. And where did you look at it with the defendant? In front of Don Duval, the install. Was anyone else in the area at that time? No, sir, there were not. You said that that was at nighttime? Mm-hmm, it was late in the evening. Can you give an approximate time when you say late in the evening? What does that mean? Uh, around midnight or after. Did he know where the handgun was, or did he just ask you to go get it? Well, how would he know that? That's what I'm asking. You mean if he said anything about it? Like, go get it from the car or words to that effect? Did, did he? Yes. I'll rephrase the question, Judge. Please do that. Did he ask you specifically to go get it out of the car? Yes. When you brought it back in, you, you had said that it was still in that case? Yes, sir. And were the two magazines in the case with it? Yes. The orange plastic clip was in the uh, handgun itself? Yes, sir. And I think you said that uh, possibly one of the clips was fully loaded? Yes. Do you recall how much ammunition or how many bullets one of those magazines held? Seven. But your recollection is that one of them would have been empty? It could have been empty or it could have just had one or two bullets in it. Did he give you the handgun back after he looked at it? No, sir, he did not. Did he open the case and look at the handgun itself or did he just look at the case? Uh, we did, we looked at the case and opened it up to see the handgun and then closed it back up. Do you remember if he took the handgun out of the case at all? No. No, he did not take it out of the case. Did you see uh, where he took it specifically? Yes, sir. He took it into the club room. Did you watch where he went from there? No, sir, I did not. Did he tell you what he was going to do with it? No, sir, he did not. Did you ask him what he was going to do with no, it? No, sir, I did not. Did you have any concerns with giving it to him at that time? Absolutely, sir. I did not at that time. Now, I'll draw your attention uh, to August 7th, which is a Wednesday. Let me ask you this. Were you still at the farm on Wednesday, August 7th? Yes, sir, I was. And do you recall what you were doing that morning? Yes, sir. Um, I was at that long table that we had talked about before. I was sitting at the end of the long table that was next to the front windows doing some work on my computer, my laptop. Mr. Shellhorn. Yes, Judge. Do you know how much longer you're going to be approximately? 10 to 15 minutes. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I, I think we'll take our um, evening recess now. It's a little bit past 4.30, and there may be days when we stay a little bit later to finish up, but it's too early in the trial to push it, so we'll break now. And with that, day two of the trial of Michael Barrison came to a close, and we bring to an end this episode of Jury Duty. Please join us on our next installment for the conclusion of the direct examination of Dr. Ruth Cox. And if you would like to listen to these episodes early and ad-free, head over to our Jury Duty Crime Story Patreon page. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. You can find more information about this trial on our Jury Duty Crime Story Patreon page or at crimestory.com. Jury Duty is created, hosted, and produced by yours truly, Carrie Antholis. It was co-produced and edited by Chris Taracone. 
Music for this episode was provided by Strike Audio, and Trial Audio is courtesy of Law and Crime Networks. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you will come back for the next episode of Jury Duty, The Trial of Michael Barrison.